Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ben Harrison. Hey, I'm the other host, Adam Pranica. Um, I guess we're pot committed on revealing our identities and, you know, maybe for the best. I I still have really mixed feelings about it, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) We're recording all these episodes dark at this point. Right. So, so we, we still could choose never to release this. Yeah. But uh, It'll the just... idea of recording a podcast that you don't put out, I mean, like, recording a podcast is already a waste of time. I guess. <laughs> uh, I, I, I guess I am putting off important paid work to do this. So uh, I guess I've made that choice. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, uh, we're doing it. We're doing it big time. <laughs> So this is uh this episode is the Naked Now, the it's, it's the second episode, but it's listed as episode three because I guess in 1987, if you had an episode that was twice as long as normal, that had to be counted as episodes one and two. Right. Uh, uh, Netflix has it as, as episode two, though. Yeah. So if you're following along at home, uh, using a Netflix or a or another television streaming provider, uh, your your numbering nomenclature might vary. Yeah. It's on Wikipedia as episode three. And uh, I have to imagine Wikipedia has the most official nomenclature as far as that goes. This is really interesting. Yeah, this is all <laughs> going to get cut out. <laughs> uh, did you ever see the, the canonical uh, original series episode that, that is have, sort of related to this? Because I hadn't. And I still I have haven't. watched a lot of the original series but i'm usually so bored within the first 30 seconds of the beginning of an episode that i immediately start playing with my phone so it may or may not have uh theoretically been on a tv that i was in the presence of but uh i don't really have any specific memory of it uh yeah i mean i the boredom feeling is something i felt uh pretty acutely as this as this episode kicked off, uh, I managed to resist the use of my phone though uh, throughout yeah, because I, think, I was taking copious notes. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you've got a notebook, somehow that gets easier. Right. Um, you know your tower defense video game doesn't uh, doesn't beckon you quite as much. So this is officially the sweatiest episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> um, the Enterprise is out. Uh, looking for a science special called the Tsiolkovsky, I think it's pronounced. Right. Uh, you want to give an alien race a chance to pronounce your ship's name. Go go with something that's in Cyrillic. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, um, it's a science ship that's studying a collapsing uh, supergiant star, and they've kind of gone incommunicado. Um, and uh, and the away team discovers i guess well so they're they're kind of heading toward the ship and they get a last transmission um that uh sounds like a real a real 
fun time party is going on 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 the Cholkovsky, and uh, they said they're going to have a real blowout, and then you hear an explosion, and uh, they find out that they've, in fact, blown out the hatch. Not only did they have the literal the blowout, they had a literal real chill time. <laughs> yeah, they did have a real chill time, because the rest of the ship is has been turned off and a lot of the heat has been bled into space. So This is another uh, the, another scene where the set designer takes full advantage of the fire extinguisher and just yeah. hoses down some rooms with Yeah, that I wonder if they just had a bunch of freezem freezem spray paint left over from season 1 episode 1 and they were just like uh, you guys got a script where we can use up the rest of this because we don't want it sitting around taking up space here in the prop department. <laughs> yeah, it's real uh, set designed by Costco. They just bought a, a big pallet of the stuff and decided to put yeah. it to use. I mean, uh, you know, it could it could in fact be that like uh, some sort of snow flocking company was a heavy investor in the show and sure. convinced them to buy a bunch of that stuff. Um, but uh, you got to believe Riker's in his element too. I mean, he beams over there. It's obviously the leavings of of what is a thinly veiled orgy. Yeah, I mean, every everybody that's naked conveniently has a, enough snow on their body to con- conceal their naughty bits. But right. Uh, <laughs> um, so, anyways, they. Uh, it's probably a form of orgy that even Riker hasn't engaged in. Right. So and, you've got to uh, believe he's curious. Yeah, he <laughs> definitely. Hurries back to the Enterprise, fires up the holodeck, and gets it going. Um, <laughs> Riker, program one. Uh, but uh, the 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 fulcrum moment here is when Jordy opens up somebody's shower and a a fully clothed woman falls out into his hands, and we actually hear the sound of a disease being transmitted from her to him, um, which. Uh, becomes the the problem for the rest of the episode and how would you describe that sound it's a a lot a lot like a uh, starship door opening or closing right. it's kind of a hiss it sounded like someone balling up some uh plastic wrap to me <laughs> yeah maybe maybe like a pitch shifted plastic wrap yeah uh crumple and this is like i, f- I feel like that is non-diegetic sound also because like it happens a whole bunch of times for the rest of the episode. Every time somebody gets infected, you hear it happen. And uh, it's it's pretty obvious that they can't hear it. So it's just there for the benefit of the audience. Yeah, I mean, um, this has happened a couple of times. It's a real, hey, idiot viewer, uh, try, <laughs> to, try to stay along with us here. Yeah, I and mean, I feel like the episode might have been a little bit more fun if they hadn't beaten us over the head with that. Like... Be like, like trying to remember, oh yeah, and you know, Jordy touched Yar, and then Yar touched Data, you know, or whatever. But, well, they because it was a basic cable syndication, they couldn't show the disease being transmitted sexually, which I'm <laughs> sure is how it was in the writers' room. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the uh, this disease. Uh, takes the form of everybody who has it being super hot and super drunk. Um, this is the the drunkest uh, the drunkest drunk they could possibly be. It's like an extreme version of uh, being drunk. And uh, and as Jordy kind of Jordy like splits from the infirmary, which is uh, 
already a kind of dubious plot point because you would imagine that starships would have way better quarantine procedures in place than just like, <laughs> hey, uh, did you just come back from a, uh, a uh, an away mission with a strange condition? Go ahead and walk out the door of the infirmary. Beverly's uh, de- definition of confinement to sickbay is just on a cot next to an unlocked door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a door that just leads right into the hallway. Oh, which- yeah. And to the rest of the ship. Uh, no waiting room in this uh, sick bay. I also thought it was curious that the first thing that a drunk Jordy does is wander into Wesley's room. Like, yeah. Is it, uh, maybe a second note of uh, implied pedophilia in yeah. this, in this yeah. series. But, uh, <laughs> two for two. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, Wesley is playing with his tractor beam toy and his Jean-Luc Picard voice imitation toy, uh, both of which he is... Working on for a science project, I guess. Which are if you were to if you were to conceive of the two most dangerous toys anyone could have <laughs> on this or any other starship, it would be the device that allows you to mimic the captain, right? And something that can pick up other things and move them away, right? So um, with those toys, uh, you know, Wesley, who is now three sheets to the wind, drunk. Uh, takes over engineering, and um, this is a this is an interesting moment because you know I always think of Jordy LaForge as being the chief engineer, uh, but he is not yet. I think that happens in season two, and uh, and we have uh, two characters who are like the chief and assistant chief engineers that get kind of hoodwinked out of being on duty by. <laughs> by Wesley. The chief engineer is a woman, goes to the bridge and the uh, assistant chief uh, whose name is Shimoda I think goes to sickbay and Wesley uses his Picard voice imitator to uh, announce that the ship is being taken over and he uses his tractor beam toy to block everybody out of the section of engineering that he's hanging out in and uh, this quickly becomes a problem when drunk Shimoda comes back and uh, starts goofing around with the control chips, the isolinear chips that control the warp engine uh, as though they are a Jenga set. As we progress through the series, I think we need to call uh, crew members doing things that don't really make a lot of sense to us as pulling a drunk Shimoda. (laughs) Absolutely. I guess um, essentially the the rest of the episode is about this star that they are orbiting, uh, getting closer and closer to blowing up while the crew is more and more incapacitated by this, uh, this ailment. And, uh, you know, every time there's a character that you would need to be on the ball, the illness finds a way of, of uh, getting into them. It's such a weird, like we talked about this on the, for the first episode, like yeah. it's sort of like uh, tracking an album. Tracking an album is like choosing the order of the songs mm-hmm. uh, for release. I don't understand how this is episode two. Just like I don't understand how Encounter at Farpoint was, was the first episode. It's so weird. It's very weird. And uh, what I read on Wikipedia is that it is sort of a warmed over redo of a script from from uh the original series there was it was like going to be a sequel to 
an original series episode that would have been in some episode of the original series, but uh, they decided to kind of rewrite it for the next generation, and uh, and the fans hated it because it was too similar. Wikipedia floats it as being one of the worst episodes of the show. I really, like, after finishing this episode, if this were a series that began now, this show would already be on the chopping block, right? Yeah, yeah. You couldn't, as a network, justify paying for the next episode of what we have so far watched. Right. It's incredible. I mean, so far, the main special effects on this science fiction show are a fire extinguisher and a spray bottle of fake sweat. <laughs> yeah that that said though i do like this episode a lot more than episode one right it feels a little bit more star trekky um to me and the i don't know there's a couple of moments that that actually do kind of have a lasting impact on the series like uh data banging tasha yar which <laughs> yeah, that it's, happened early in the series. I, I remember, in my mind, this had happened much later in, yeah, in the series. Yeah. I didn't know this was episode two. It's a crazy piece of character development to find out that Data is packing and is sexually attractive to Yar when she is wasted. I personally think he kind of made a mistake in having sex with her. I think that that's, uh, <laughs> that's a little bit rapey, maybe. But... um well, she's also super mean to him when it's over. Yeah. Like she, she yeah. I mean, she was clearly ashamed of what happened. She she definitely like initiates, but she is not really in a state of mind to be making decisions about who she's sharing her bed with. I don't care if you are a robot or a normal crew person. I don't <laughs> think there is any way that you can turn down Sexy Tasha Yar, who is basically cosplaying as sexy China Phillips from Wilson Phillips. Yeah. Who's got like that sexy Superman curl on her forehead. Like, what is that look about? Yeah, they they like, uh, they use some like clear nail polish to to shellac a curl from her hair down onto her forehead. It's kind of a uh, lot going on there. Yeah. And she's some pretty complex feelings about that scene. Belly dancer outfit. Um, she did or did not uh, rip off all of the scarves from Troy's apartment. Yeah, yeah. And evidently, everyone leaves the doors to their uh, to their quarters open. Like, yeah, yeah. Troy like comes a, home it's after like a, a shift. suburban neighborhood where people don't lock their doors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's that's the way of the future. Yeah, but uh, I mean, if you if you want to hold on to your scarves, I think you gotta gotta lock your door, or at least your closet door. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine, right? This is like a post-scarcity society. They don't use money. Like, how much of a concept of personal possessions do these people even have? Are we sure that the economy isn't based almost entirely on scarves? I mean, we have this scene, (laughs) and then we have the scene from uh, the pilot episode where Beverly makes a big deal about, you know, God, the scarf would be so much more amazing if it had a gold pattern on it. And then, bam, like, it seems like it has a lot more value to her in that moment. Do you think that Steven Tyler has an economic theory that could translate to to the future somehow? Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm not going to elaborate. I'm just going to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably where we're at. So, data banks, 
uh, Yar. At some point, Picard gets on the view screen with Wesley and kind of makes an effort to talk Wesley out of stealing the ship. Um, and it's a it's a pretty funny moment, and it made me think of your point that we uh, haven't haven't seen anything to make us not believe Picard is a right. pedophile. Right. Uh, it's it's the kind of pedophile until like, proven not pedophile. That's what my position is on Picard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he and the way he talks to Wesley in this scene is is like, um, it's the kind of like condescension that you would you like do when you think a kid won't realize that you're condescending to him like right well wesley that's a very adult bit of reasoning yeah just sort of just sort of building him up a little bit to take advantage of him yeah right i can see that so a little bit of a dark moment um (laughs) Riker and the chief engineer lady are racing to get the uh, force field down uh, so that they can get into the section of engineering and get the ship started up again the star is getting closer and closer to collapsing uh and they finally get it down and they realize that all of these isolinear chips that uh control the warp engine i guess have been pulled out by drunk shimoda and (laughs) uh, and there's it's gonna take like hours to put them all back in because there's hundreds of them um can we uh, can we get a drunk shimoda uh weird al yankovic song like like my Sharona, like, we gotta we gotta do that drop in this episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> should we should we just try and like riff a couple of bars? Yeah. So they finally get it down. They realize that they're sol because there's too much too much chips to be put back in to get them out of the way of the now exploding star in time and they convince data to make a game of sticking all the chips back in as fast as he can and uh, this is the first time that we see that data can potentially use super speed to uh to complete a task and uh so he plugs uh the chips in willy-nilly and they realize that they're still a minute away from they're still going to be a minute short of getting out of there in time and drunk wesley crusher um <laughs> figures out a way to reverse the polarity on the tractor beam that they have attached to the tilkovsky push it away uh thereby using uh physics to push the enterprise in the opposite direction giving them just enough time to get the uh, get the warp engine back online. The uh, Enterprise is saved in the nick of time. Meanwhile, and almost exactly at the same time, the Doctor completes her remedy, which they, which I guess she based on the remedy from the original series episode. Uh, and uh, that's a that's a whole the that whole B storyline of finding the remedy is is pretty funny. It's like Riker comes back and he's like, "Gosh, you know, I vaguely remember reading something somewhere about somebody taking a shower in their clothes." Data, why don't you look into that? No surprise that that like the bit of trivia has to do with a shower uh, where Riker's <laughs> yeah. concerned. Yeah, <laughs> I vaguely rem- remember masturbating to 
the history of ships named Enterprise. <laughs> it's like and, the uh, guy who comes up with acronyms to remember, you know, answers to science tests. He's like, God, I'm, I've got to remember all this Starfleet trivia. And if I can only relate it to something sexual, I can pass this test. <laughs> It'll stick in my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We find out in this episode that Data is way better at Google than anybody on on the Enterprise. So they save the ship and then there's there's sort of the the moment at the end where Tasha Yar is is super cold the data and they have the sort of water cooler the next day moment uh where she says like that didn't happen. Don't tell anybody about it. Yeah, like <laughs> in maybe the one most pronounced example of this show of like speaking directly to their viewer and like what yeah. their viewer sensibilities might be like it's as if Tasha Yar looks directly into the camera and goes yeah nerd guy like you know what this is about you know what this is like <laughs> yeah. like you haven't been uh, turned down in this manner many times right. before Data got friend zoned yeah he did he did yeah. my, my, my love is a So I wrote down, one of the things I wrote down while I was watching the episode was uh, what kind of drunk each character is. Oh, uh, that's fun. Would you like me to go down the list? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Jordy LaForge, angry drunk. Yeah. Tasha Yar, lush. Mm-hmm. Wesley, reckless drunk. Uh, Engineer Shimoda is the kind of I love you man. Yeah, drunk. totally. Troy, lush. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Crusher, lush. Yeah. Uh, Data is a funny drunk. Uh, Riker is the only one that seems who he can hold his liquor, I would say. Do you, like, that That was a big question I had, was, like, is Riker able to hold it together after being infected because he just has a baseline level of horniness? I think like, so, yeah. Like, he's definitely hot. Like, yeah. he gets sweaty like everybody else, <laughs> but he's is not, the like, losing thing. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then Picard, lush. So Picard and all of the female characters are mega horny uh, once they get infected by the alcohol syndrome. And everybody else is all of the other kinds of drunks. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Picard, is Picard a lush? Yeah, man. That, the way he like waves to, uh, to the doctor when she's leaving the bridge after uh, almost getting her boobs out. Oh yeah, I mean those zip front uniforms are basically made for uh, for pulling out the boobs. Yeah, yeah. When she she gets it about halfway down, doesn't doesn't quite get to uh, sexy time. Picard basically says like, "We can't do this here." And, Did you uh, hear his Beavis and Butthead laugh <laughs> yeah. during that scene? Yeah, it's that is probably as out of character as Patrick Stewart gets in the entire series. I want that to be my ringtone. Oh, God, would I love to show you. Doctor, there must be a cure, some formula. (laughs) Similar to the old one. Yeah. (laughs) This is, I mean, this is the second straight episode where Picard and Beverly demonstrate some weirdness. I think there yeah. are a few things we can assume, and then maybe one thing might be far-fetched, but uh, like the whole Picard being a pedophile thing, we can't rule it out completely. I mean, they clearly banged. Yeah. 
I mean, the question you got, is, you gotta wonder whether if, they banged during yeah. her marriage or. Yeah, is that is that the reason for the shame or or the resistance to it? Is it is it are they so resistant because it occurred uh, in the context of an infidelity? Yeah, it's it's definitely something that's like never fully addressed, but heavily uh, the bush is heavily beat around. I would say. Sure. And do we have any reason to believe that Wesley is not Picard's son? Hairline man. Yeah, yeah, I guess that would be it. <laughs> and also, I guess Picard's attraction to him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be, that'd be another yeah. fact. Well, we don't, we don't know quite how his screws are loose yeah. sexually, so... <laughs> <laughs> we, just, we just know that something's <clears throat> up. God, to just go, like... This is such a simplistic plot... Like, I can just imagine the writer's room having a whiteboard of of just one-line plots. Like, what happens if the crew gets drunk? <laughs> There's episode two. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's really, it's really kind of weak. Yeah, a little bit weak. I mean, I have to say that the, uh, the control chip reinsertion game is an all-time favorite Star Trek moment of mine. Yeah. Uh, it's something that like, like when I think about data, I think about that moment. And I I think that this is like a unique episode for that reason. Like it has this, like an incredibly iconic moment for me. Um, you think think that 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 is more iconic than data banging Yar? Not more. No. Uh, as, (laughs) um, you know, the, and the, and and when Yar turns to data, uh, yeah, when he comes back, to, when she comes back to the bridge and tells him to speak a word of it to no one, uh, that was a general, genuine laugh line for me. Like I thought that was really funny. Uh, so, I mean, it's not. I don't know. It just made bad. me sad. It just made me real sad. <laughs> you got to think about real the sad fact, and though, introspective. That, like, like Data. Like it's not even that he doesn't have an ego. Is that it's he just takes everything literally, without thinking about the kind of emotional dimension of it. So, so he's getting friend zoned, but he doesn't even know that that's like a negative place to be. He's like, okay, like up to you. And, do you uh, think he was actually infected with the virus or do you think he was sort of uh, being Sammy Jankus about it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's real. It's, it's real. Uh, uh, you have to invoke a lot of headcanon to get Data to be susceptible to the same illness as the crew. He tries to make the case for it as if he has turned to the camera and is speaking directly to the viewer like, hey, I've right. got blood like everyone else. I've got these uh-huh. pores. I don't, I don't know. That's pretty squishy logic. I mean, you could yeah. compare, you of- can compare the ship's main computer systems to systems like that. Like, why wasn't the whole ship infected and super horny for that other <laughs> ship? Yeah, yeah, that would be a pretty. That would be a pretty epic scene with the uh, the Enterprise <laughs> mounting the Tsiolkovsky and banging away on it. What was um, up with the sun chunk that got thrown out towards the ship? Yeah, like is that the, a, is that the, real science? When the star explodes. It's it's not. Uh, it's not like a, a shockwave that they're escaping. It's just like a ball of goo. And 
What a what a piece of bad luck that is. Like yeah, that it's like right on the right trajectory to hit them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a raw I mean, deal. Yeah, you you think that like I mean, we know that like when uh, when the Klingon moon of Praxis blows up and uh, and it hits the Excelsior, it's just a shockwave that fucks them up. So why yeah, that, why does it have that to be like your a, tea all over the place? Maybe they just didn't have it in the budget to do like all that computer rendering. Wouldn't it be that. less work if it was a wave versus a, a sun chunk? I don't know. It, you know, in 1987, it's it's hard to know like what <laughs> effects were easy to do and what effects were hard to do. Yeah, you want a shockwave effect on a fire extinguisher budget. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> God, like if I I keep thinking about Riker and how Riker deals with the whole situation, like Troy lushes her way over to him in engineering. And I think this is the first and only time that she's ever called him Bill. Yeah, Bill Bill caught my ear as well. Which is clearly yeah. like a pillow talk name. Totally. And <laughs> and like he just with ease is able to like swing her around, pick her up, take her to sick bay, as if turning her down is just something that comes naturally to him. A even when he's drunk. For him. Yeah. Like, yeah, do you he think ne- he's looking around at basically orgy ship and going, I've seen this, a, I've seen this 10,000 times in the holodeck. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. I'm, I'm not even getting a softy at seeing everything that's around here. <laughs> like this yeah. does not even move the needle for Riker. Right. He's, he's, uh, he's traveled to, uh, <laughs> areas of sexuality where no man has gone before. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, I will say that Riker's pretty heroic in this episode. And and another thing that this episode really exposes for me is that in season one, they sort of had a similar approach with the roles on the ship uh, that they did in the original series, where it's a little bit like uh, everybody's job can kind of change every episode. Like you've got the doctor, the captain, Riker, and Troy have kind of firm jobs. And I guess Yar has mm-hmm. a firm job, but mm-hmm. like... Jordy doesn't really have a specific job. Data doesn't really have a specific job. Worf doesn't really have a specific job. Like you see him switching sides in the bridge all the time. Like Data is on the right side of the bridge at the beginning of the episode, and then he's on the left side. And it's like, is he an ops or is he a con or is it like does, doesn't really fucking matter at all? <laughs> like they they like had not really thought through who any of these characters were to the ship. Right. I mean, I think you could say they really misuse data, you know, for his entire career. You could make a strong argument that he shouldn't even be on a ship. Like he should, he should be building. Very special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But there, yeah. And, and instead he's off fucking Tasha Yar. Mm -hmm. He's doing, he's doing what we wish we were all doing. Right. Um, God, that China Phillips look. Jeez. Yeah. Pretty solid. Yeah. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. 
And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVS. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVS for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVS. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Well, what's uh, what's up next for the crew of the Starship Enterprise? Uh, and by that you mean uh, the next episode? Yeah, uh, it's I, like it's called Code of Honor. I honestly, I don't remember much from this first season. If I, if you were to ask me before watching, at what point the whole uh, Enterprise gets drunk episode happens, I would have said like <laughs> in a couple of seasons. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, but I think Yar. I mean, spoiler alert, but Yar eats it at some point in season one. I think. Oh, that's right. Uh, she gets taken down by. Uh, by the, the uh, pile of poo monster, right? Um. <laughs> another, another uh, blue ribbon showing from the costume and uh, set design department. Yeah, <laughs> look, guys, 
we have this big oil slick um, in the back of our soundstage. Like, maybe we could use it for something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's address yeah. that later, I guess. Yeah. When the leader of an alien culture takes a romantic interest in Lieutenant Yar, he claims her for his own, to the dismay of his own wife, who, in turn, challenges Tasha in a fight to the death. Hmm. Um, I think one funny thing about this uh, this episode is its reception, which is uh, being described as not as overly racist as I recalled. <laughs> it's a solid C minus from the Onion AV Club, so that actually might be an improvement based on the two episodes we've seen already. How, how, does, ba- how, how well do you remember this episode? Not at all. How does Data uh, feel about that? I think I remember it. I feel like there's like a weird like jungle gym structure that they have to fight in and around and like maybe like poison daggers get get used in this episode um yeah do you do you uh want to invoke your veto or do you want to see another another episode that implies sexuality with tashi R? well the thing is like these seasons are like 28 episodes long right <laughs> yeah there's a lot of episodes so I feel so, like so using... if you use it now, you could be coming off half cocked. Right. That's that's definitely not what I or Commander Riker would think to do. Um, <laughs> I think I'm gonna save my veto. Uh, I, think I think I I'm... am too. I I kind of remember liking this episode, but I uh, but I'm I'm ready to be disappointed. You would. You've liked two straight terrible episodes so far. I've liked neither. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Adam. This has been a terrible experience for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least uh, at least you get to make a podcast with your buddy Ben. Best part. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Greatest Generation. I've been Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. We'll see you next time. Don't call, don't write.